Well, for the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about foundation and uh, how Jesus began the movement of the church. And when it first began, it was so attractive, so attractive. And really, it begs the question, why does the church now have such a bad rap? I mean, we just really don't have a great reputation in society. And the reputations of Christians is uh, not like the reputation of Jesus. People who knew Jesus, who were unlike him, liked him. And Jesus liked people who were not like him. And uh, it was very attractive. So he did not ask uh, people to do anything when he asked them to follow. He just said, follow. And at some point, they came to believe his message. And that's what we're talking about today. People believed, and then they had a transformative experience with Jesus Christ, and their life was changed. Their life was changed. Now, when I began my faith journey, the emphasis was on, you better obey. You better clean up your life. You better be perfect. And here's some rules. Follow the rules. And so this is a sticky word, this word obey, because it is so misunderstood and misapplied. Now, the interesting thing about the obey part or the do part, the practical part, unfortunately, it has been so misrepresented and it's been out of order. It's been in the wrong context. In the New Testament, it really an interesting thing happened. And it's worth reading for yourself. I, I really recommend that you read the New Testament. The people who followed Jesus and then believed who he claimed to be, they began to do an interesting thing they actually began to do the things that Jesus taught them. Isn't that novel? And they organized their life around what Jesus taught. They began to do their money different. They were generous. They began to do their family different, to treat people better than they had in the past. They began to do good things towards their enemies. They had a, such a unique way of behavior it was so curious to the Jews and the Romans around them. And over time, Christianity caught on. And it spread like wildfire. Not because of famous speakers. Not because of public ministries. But because of the lifestyle of the average uh, person who followed Jesus, who believed. And who said, you know, Jesus has the best interest in mind. So I'm going to do what he teaches. Because I'm grateful for what he has done for me. And isn't that novel? And isn't that a change? And isn't that why we do the things that Jesus teaches? So ultimately, the behavior of Christians was so compelling. It toppled an empire. You know, read history for yourself. It's fascinating. It toppled the Roman Empire. The empire 
that crucified Jesus Christ, persecuted and killed Christians, and it wasn't because of an army or an incredible leadership. It was the lifestyle of Christians. That's what changed the Roman Empire. Their counter-cultural, loving lives who were not afraid of death. People of extraordinary conviction who won the day. The empire made Rome the capital of Christianity in the third century. Isn't that amazing? So people tell me all the time, oh, our culture is so bad. We need some laws. No, we don't. We just need average Christians to act like Christians and we can change this nation. That's how it happens. Yeah, you're in agreement. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so, this is what we've been talking about of late. Now, unfortunately for many of you who started going to church, you didn't hear this follow and then believe. Uh, you heard first, come here and obey. All right? We don't know your name, but just get in line and obey. That's not the message of Christianity. No wonder some of you left church. I'm telling you from the New Testament, that was never the pattern. But people push back and say, well, God gave the Ten Commands. You've got to obey. Do you know why God gave the Ten Commands? I'll tell you anyways. He gave them to Israel because they came out of slavery from Egypt and they did not know how to live as a free people. So God didn't present himself as, Hi, I'm God. Here are some things you should obey. But rather... God miraculously rescued them from Egypt. He brought them into the desert. He gave them water. He gave them manna from heaven and fed them. He led them through the desert, light at night, cloud at the day. Like he, he took care of them. Even their clothes didn't wear out. And he led them along and protected them all the time. And finally, he gathered them together and he said, okay, now I want to tell you something. I want to tell you how to live. Because you, you, you were in Egypt and that culture is not what you want to emulate. So I want to give you some, some principles and rules that will help you function in society. And he gave them the Ten Commands not to say, hey, do this, he said, here, this is a good way to live. And if you follow this, you'll be helped. Now, here's the thing. Churches that emphasize get in line unintentionally create a problem when they say, here's how you dress, and here's how you talk, and carry a Bible, so you look like a Christian and sound like a Christian, and therefore you must be a Christian. Look, I have been around a long time. I don't look that way. I look so young, don't I? But I've been around for 40 years of ministry, and I've seen a lot of people 
who look like Christians and talk like Christians, but in reality, they're Monday to Saturday. They don't live like Christians. In fact, I want to get beside some of those people and say, quit calling yourself a Christian because you're damaging the reputation of Jesus and the church. So, if you haven't been here for the last little while, you might want to go onto our app. And when you get there, on the bottom, it, there's media. Click on that. Up comes uh, sermon series and foundation. You click on that, and you can uh, listen to some of the services and catch on. Now, what we said the last few weeks was that there's an old paradigm that you have to believe and then behave and then you can belong. In fact, um, years ago, if I introduced people to Christ, I would, I would get them ready to come to church because, you know, there was just a different culture and didn't know how they would receive it. That was an old paradigm. What we've been saying is Jesus' paradigm is this. When you read the New Testament and watch his disciples, he said, come and see. Just belong. And after a while, these disciples came to believe. They believed that he was the Son of God. In fact, when there was the crucifixion, they stopped believing. And then when the resurrection happened, they started believing again. And then, once you believe, then you become. You become what God designed you to be. Now, a church who invites people to follow and allow, and allow space to investigate and eventually believe also understands that once you believe, some reordering of the life should take place. And all of us understand it is at this point that a lot of people get off the bus. The obey part is sometimes painful, and Jesus understood this. In fact, he understood it so well that at the end of one of his famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, which was filled with all this kind of do stuff, at the end he tells a story, and the story is brilliant. You're going to love it. He gives a story in a parable form, and he told the story to people already following Jesus so they would understand the proper context from when God asked us to obey. And the parable teaches us that obedience that, that makes a, all the practical difference. Following is great to belong. Belief is great because you can have peace even when you don't have peace in the world. But in terms of practical difference in your marriage, in your finances, in your sexuality, in your dating life, it happens when we obey. Now the parable is found in Matthew 7 in your notes, which is at the conclusion of the sermon. So the sermon stretches people's thinking. It's a new value system. Jesus was teaching things like, if somebody injures you, turn the other cheek. When someone requires something of you, do more than is required. 
And the audience asked, like, every time? And Jesus would say, yes. Yes, because God knows what you need and He will take care of you. On forgiveness, Jesus said, look, let people off the hook. That's why I'm here to forgive you. So go ahead and forgive other, everybody else too. And the people said, like, everybody? And Jesus said, yes. And the people said, like, no exceptions? And Jesus said, no exceptions. Just forgive. So this was a brand new way of thinking. It was, it was a brand new way of seeing the world. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Then the showstopper. He said, oh, yeah, guys. By the way, by the way, guys, lust is sin, too. And they looked at him and said, oh, wait, wait, wait. You mean adultery sin? Jesus said, yeah, that too. But lust is sin too. And they said, so we have to change the way we think? And Jesus said, yes, yes. Can anybody live like that, they asked? Is God going to be mad if I don't alter my lifestyle? And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. No. I'm asking you to alter your lifestyle and look at every facet of your life and conform your living to my teaching for your benefit, for your own good. And they were thinking what you're thinking. That would be so hard and I would look like a freak to my friends. So at the end of the message that Jesus gives, he gives insight as to why he requires this. And it's less about obey and it is more about becoming. Becoming. So in Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, pra into practice. So Jesus is not talking about believing. He's talking about doing. And this goes beyond just showing up on a Sunday. And beyond registering for Alpha and not showing up. But here he is talking about doing something more than showing up. If you put them into practice, thank you for the one person who's listening. He said if you put them into practice, Jesus says it is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now when Jesus said that, everybody thought to themselves, well, duh. Of course that's what you do when you build a house. Especially when you're in the desert. You dig down through the sand and you find uh, a rock to lay a foundation. And basically, Jesus was saying, is everybody who leaves this message today and does what is taught is smart and is wise. And if you order your life around the teaching, it's just common sense. It's common sense. And Jesus is saying, look, it's not about heaven or hell. It isn't about, does God love you? This isn't about, are you a good person or a bad person? It has nothing to do with that. It is as if he leans across the table and he looks you in the eye and he says, look, if you obey me, 
If you reorder your life around these teachings, it's the smartest thing that you could ever do. It's the wisest decision you will ever make. You are like a person who builds a house on a rock and everybody knows that the rock is the best place in the world to build a house. This is not a threat of or God is going to get you if you don't. So Jesus is creating the context for the teaching that he had given them. And he said in verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. And all heads were kind of nodding in agreement because this was common sense. That is where you build a house. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, now listen up. Listen. I'm equating what I just told you about life and love and sexuality and relationships and money and business and enemies and friends. I'm equating all of what I've taught you with good old-fashioned common sense. Just as a house with a proper foundation can withstand a storm, so your life will withstand a storm if you have a proper foundation. And to be clear, just to be clear, Jesus is not talking about, okay, I make that decision on Monday. I decide to obey. And Friday, good things will happen. No, he's talking about the re not the results of a week or a month or even a year. He's pulling way back. And he's talking about your whole life. Your whole life. So Jesus looks at those people he loves and he looks at you. And he says, I'm glad you started to follow. And I'm glad you believe." But I want you to be prepared for the eventualities of life because life is tough, isn't it? Life is tough. Relationships are tough. Marriage is tough. Having kids is tough. I'm just telling you because I love you that if you organize your life around my teaching, when the storms come, you may lose a shingle or two. But at the end of the day, you will stand. Not because you prayed a prayer or you showed up or came to confession or you made a promise, or, but because of the lifestyle that you practice day in and day out. So then he goes on to tell the rest of the story in verse 26. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And everybody says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me if we don't do what you just said to, we should do that we're foolish? We are not applying common sense? Are you saying somebody who ignores your teaching 
is like the guy who is so stupid to build their house on the sand right next to the river. And Jesus said, well, uh, yep, that's my point. From my perspective, as the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who created marriage and who created life and, and everything, from my perspective, to ignore that my teaching is the equivalent of building your house down by the river and laying the foundation on sand. And everybody knows what will happen to your house. In verse 27, it says, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And nobody in the audience was surprised because that's what happens if you have a faulty foundation. And then I love the next phrase because the audience listened. And here's Matthew's comment. Verse 28. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not like the teachers of the law. There was something about his words and his presence that was hard to ignore. And as hard as it was and as strange as I will look, as weird as it will be in my culture, and outlandish as what he has asked us to do, I believe. He has the authority, they were thinking to themselves, and as people began actually embracing the teachings of Jesus, their lives and their lifestyles literally turned that part of the world upside down. Now, this parable comes as either a comfort, a warning, or an explanation. It is a comfort to those of you who several years ago, maybe many years ago, decided that you were going to try this. You're going to try the teachings of Jesus, and you were going to order your life around his teachings. Years have gone by, and you have faced some storms, and you've survived. And you would say, if you were telling your story today, I don't think I would have made it through that illness or that financial crisis or that marriage. I would not have survived. Or I don't know how we would have made it with our prodigal son or prodigal daughter except for our faith in Jesus Christ. And that would be your story you would essentially be saying that you were glad that years before the storm, you ordered your life around the teachings of Christ. It was tough, and you lost a few shingles, but because of your faith, you're still standing, and that should be a comfort to many of you. And if you are here today, it should be a comfort if you are trying this. I bet sometimes your friends think that you're odd, and when they drop you off early and don't tell you where they were after, and at times you lay awake at night and wonder, is this worth it? Am I missing out? And you've become generous, and your financial planner wonders, 
about why are you giving so much away? What's this on your financial statement that says TIFF? What is that? And you start pursuing relationships with people who you don't really like, but you want to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. And I mean, you, you are living this out. It's tough stuff. And you remember, you're building a foundation on the rock. And it's not about next week or next month or even the end of this year. It's about a whole life that can change the trajectory. And it should be a comfort to you. Now, for others, this is a warning. Because you know better than the life that you are living. Maybe you were raised in a church and you read enough scriptures. You enjoyed Alpha and Sunday School and the Bible Project. But when it came down to actually breaking up and ending that relationship, or when it came to this whole ethics thing and doing the honest thing in your business, or when it came to how you conduct your relationships and your sexuality, your conscience is bothering you. But to live the way that Jesus would have you live, it becomes too threatening. But still, this is a warning that Jesus gave. And the problem is, there's hardly a cloud in the sky, is there? Everything looks sunny. There's no storm, no wind, no rain. Everything seems to be going fine. And you're in church. You just kind of blended. You can blend one way or the other. And you know that Jesus loves you. Yet he shakes his head and he says, look, it's not about the next 12 months. This is about your whole life. And I want you to be prepared for the eventualities of life. There will come financial storms and relational storms and professional storms. And now is the time to regroup and rethink before the storm. Listen, you know this. I want you to become something that I've designed you for. You know the worst time to reorder? The worst time in the world to rethink foundations is when there's a flood or in the middle of the storm. It's way too late. You just kind of gather the, your things and you leave. And at that point, it's just survival. And in my profession, I have spent hours and hours talking to people, and it's so frustrating to me when they say, what do I do? What do I do? And I want to say to them, buddy, it's hopeless. Like, really. You know, there's something you could have done and you didn't. There's no quick fix. There's no magic prayer. And don't be mad at God because he warned you 2,000 years ago. There are times I preach and people will come to me and say, boy, I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago. My life would be different. And they're saying, 
if I had laid a foundation years ago, my experience would be so different today. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Jesus, this is your warning. Not from God with lightning bolts in hand ready to zap you. Rather, from a loving Father who is saying there are eventualities and there are consequences and there are unavoidable things. Your Savior who loves you wants you to be prepared for life. And Jesus said it best. He said, the smartest thing and the wisest thing to do, the most common sense thing to do, is to embrace the teachings and live according so you become, you become what I've designed you to be. Now for others, this is an explanation. It's an explanation of what you're going through right now and it is why you were back in church. Because a storm came and it took you out. And you're not doing well. You thought your marriage was on the right track and it wasn't and it's gone. And you thought you'd never go back to alcohol, but you have. And you thought everything was rock solid in life and was great. And now your dreams are not coming true and it is messing with you and you're a little angry with God. If you're really... Uh, honest this morning, you're angry with God. And the parable explains the shape that you are in now. And this is not God's wrath and not God's punishment. It is a result of having lived a life a way you wanted to live. And you put your foundation on something that doesn't survive. And the good news is that God doesn't love you less. You can begin again. You can start over. And that's why many people come to faith in the middle of a storm. And it comes down to this. Who do you trust? Do you trust culture? Or do you trust your Savior? Culture often leads us down a pathway that ends up broken. It doesn't leave us with a firm foundation. And I'm just telling you, your heavenly Father would get on his knees and take you by the hand and look you in the eye and he would say, follow me, obey me, trust me. I know that your life will be a disaster and maybe in a few days from now your roommate will move out and your parents think that you're crazy and people won't understand. But if you look past this week, past this month and past this year I will walk with you and I will help you I will help you lay a foundation that will serve you well for the rest of your life Jesus invites us to become the best version of ourselves and this is the kind of obedience that captured the attention of a huge section of the world and it leaves people with no regrets and prepares them for the storms of life and I hope you keep following and even if you hate this sermon 
you will continue to hang around and ask questions and explore faith and just belong here. And I pray one day you will come to the place that you will believe. But the difference is, the difference for your life is when you take the first step towards I'm going to do something about it. I will become different by applying what I believe. I will do it for my sake because obeying Jesus is the smartest and the wisest thing to do because I will lay a foundation for life. Jesus' promise is simple. When the storms come, you will stand. Would you bow with me? I think that God is calling some of you today. And he calls softly and he calls tenderly. While every eye is closed, I just want to ask how many are going through storms and you're, you're just thinking, I need to lay a foundation and I need prayer. Would you just raise your hand and say, I need prayer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let me pray for you. God, this morning, I thank you that you put obedience and context and you told us why it is important to follow you and obey you not because you want to limit our life or make it miserable but because you love us and you want us to have a firm foundation for life this morning I pray for those who are going through storms that they will hold on to you and believe and do what's necessary and follow you. And you would give them strength to do the right thing, the common sense thing, even if it goes against culture. And they would find that you are faithful and you will walk with them and they will stand. Some of you this morning are here without faith today. You want to believe. You want to put your trust in Christ. And would you just express it to him? Just say, God, I give you my past and all the things I've done that have disappointed myself and others in you. And help me start new. Forgive me. And I want to walk with you. I believe that you are the Son of God and I trust you with my life. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling you today. Would you stand with me for prayer?
There will be people at the front if you have questions and you want to talk and you need prayer. There will be people available to you this morning. Don't forget to join in the baptism celebration to congratulate those who have been baptized. There's a membership class down the hall for those of you who are interested or have registered. That's available to you next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're starting a brand new series. Pastor Paul will be leading us through Come and See. Come and See. And it's one of the most important things that Jesus asks us to do. And you won't want to miss it. I hope you bring some friends. God bless you as you go. Remember, God is your friend. Jesus Christ came to let you know what God is like. And he is accepting and gracious and loving. And he just asks you to come and belong. At some point, you'll believe. But the difference comes when we actually do what he teaches. And it's for your good. It's for your good. God bless you as you go.